There's a new and better way to interact with podcasts. The Clever Podcast app allows you to bookmark, highlight your favorite quotes, and buy recommended products all in one place. You can listen to any public podcast, but we'll have exclusive Haas podcast content only available in our Clever app. So sign up for Clever today at clever.fm and do more than listen. Hello and welcome to the One Haas podcast, the Crossroads series, where we discuss the critical moments that shape the lives and careers of Haas alumni. I'm your host, Sophie Hoyt, and on today's show, we're going to be talking to Caroline Lee. She's currently a talent strategist and principal program manager at Amazon, and she spent a good deal of her career focusing on recruiting. So to me, Caroline is like the ultimate people person, and it's not just because she has an utterly pleasant demeanor, no. She thinks about people all the time. It's kind of the core tenant of her job. But growing up, she had no idea that she was going to end up in this position. When I do these interviews, I like to ask people what they wanted to be when they grew up. I like catching a glimpse into the beginnings. And Caroline's answer definitely did not disappoint. Hmm. I, you know, I was more governed by what I didn't want to be. I knew I didn't want to be a garbage man. That was just in the back of my mind. And I think that feeling is something that we can all relate to. You know, when the realm of possibility of what to be when you grow up is so vast, sometimes it's easier to start with what you know you don't want to be. And then, of course, in the background, her parents were pushing her to become a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. Pretty typical stuff, you know, security. But for Caroline, there was one passion that she carried with her, gymnastics. And it ended up taking her pretty far. I had done gymnastics growing up, and so I got an athletic scholarship to UCLA to compete in gymnastics. That's audio from a clip of Caitlin Ohashi doing a perfect 10 floor routine back in 2019. She's one of the main reasons that people like me even know about UCLA gymnastics at all. At the time of this recording, that video has 156 million views on YouTube. We're talking death-defying feats of strength and flexibility, plus some killer dance moves. These girls are beasts. And Caroline was one of the women to pave the way for those athletes today. We were in the top five nationally, but it hadn't grown to what it is today. We were a good team. I no doubt about that. I mean, it was a really good time. I love the discipline. I love gymnastics. But as much as Caroline loved gymnastics, she just knew it wasn't going to be the end game. You know your senior year, like, this is going to be my last meet, this is my last practice. You're winding down and you're thinking about what's coming next. I had some friends who were encouraging me, actually, to, like, go to the Career Center. And I learned about a company, Anderson Consulting. Today they are Accenture. And I saw that they had a really good growth and career path, bringing in entry-level people, teaching you kind of the Anderson Consulting way. Some people will say they're making robots, but I was perfectly fine with that. Like I was under the gymnastics discipline, show me how it's done and bring me up. And um, I really latched on to this. So Caroline ended up getting a job at Accenture as a computer programmer and eventually merged into management. But something wasn't quite right. I was doing fine, and I liked the project management aspects of it, but the technical side, I was not as strong at. And I recognized this because some of the people I hung out with would be like, oh, PC World Magazine, did you see the article on blah, blah, blah? Or Unix World had blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, I don't want to talk about this. 
And so it was dawning on me that it's not a passion. I didn't want to learn more. But what I did enjoy was recruiting. And as I was talking to other managers, there was a role open and they offered it to me to kind of lateral into it. Wow, that's quite the transition. And how fortunate to make that realization so early on in your career to not be slogging away for a decade before realizing that (laughs) you wanted to make that change. So then what happened when you make that lateral shift and what do you experience? It was more interesting. Honestly, like I was more engaged in the conversations. I was learning a lot more and I was working a lot more with leadership, more confidence too, around what I was doing. When the interest is there and you have the curiosity to learn, not only from the people around you, but people from other locations and other companies on what they're doing, that helps you grow as a person as well. And that transition made a lot of sense to me. Because being a computer programmer sounds kind of mechanical and rigid, like it's all ones and zeros. But to me, Caroline isn't. Like I said before, she's a real people person. When I come to the people side of things, everyone is passionate about recruiting. Uh, You need to bring people in to get hired. You need to understand how to interview. You need to understand how the job description works, how do you source and find people. And you also need to understand how to close. How do you get people to want to come to your group? You need to get people. And Caroline just does. Because for her, it's not about filling the job. It's about finding the person to fill the job. When you get the hire in, you're changing a life. So, you know, while people, recruiters, I don't know if they realize it or not, because you're just turning numbers and you've got requisitions and, you know, it's not ever fast enough for the poor hiring manager. But... At the end of the day, you're changing the life of someone. And I think that's very important and special. That's a really beautiful sentiment. Do you remember a moment when you realized that that was like the essence of what your work was? Yeah, I I do. There was a time, this is many years ago, when our volume of hires was going up. We needed strong program managers. And to help supplement this, One of the managers had proposed a program to hire from the military. And so this was interesting because the military is very disciplined. And what I started seeing was we really had to pay attention to how you transition people from the military into the company and into regular life. But, you know, you take a military person who's used to moving around every six months and traveling, you're going to put them in place, build your roots, and you've got a family to bring along with them that you realize it's bigger than just, here's a job. And while Caroline was busy changing people's lives through her work, in her own life, she was making a lot of changes as well. After spending about nine years at Accenture, Caroline decided to walk away from the job. She had always had an interest in the medical field and decided to become an EMT driving ambulances. But in the end, it wasn't quite what she had imagined. I didn't really like it that much. There's a lot of sitting around time. And um, I don't love this. After you transport someone, you have to clean the ambulance. So again, I don't want to be a garbage man. I'm not good at cleaning. This is not something I'm interested in doing. But ask and sometimes you receive. As Caroline was becoming more and more disillusioned with the EMT work, a former colleague recruited her to join their startup team at Opinions. It was an up-and-coming internet startup, and they needed someone to run their recruiting department. 
which later turned into all of their HR, which like, you know, typical of a startup, you become kind of the Jack or Jill of all trades. So pretty much anything, if it was not related to the internet site was mine. So facilities, go find another facility. Building management, that became mine. HR, figure out compensation plans and stock options and how that works. Ordering dinner, we had to order dinner out for everyone every night. So that was very eye-opening, very fast-paced, a lot of hype, keep people energized and going. And then came the burnout. The startup life proved to be unsustainable. And the moment she decided to walk away, the dot-com bubble burst. And suddenly, working in recruiting wasn't the asset it once had been. Not a lot of companies were hiring during that time. It was very hard to get back onto my feet. And my thought was, you know, I need to get onto the revenue side of the business. Like, I love recruiting, but I need to be revenue-driven. And so I started thinking, like, how do I get there? And just as Caroline gets ready to pivot towards med school, she gets a call. A friend of mine called me from McKesson, the pharmaceutical company. And she's like, would you be interested in data entry? And I'm like, no. And then she threw out a really high hourly rate. And I'm like, yeah, I could do that three times a week. And I came to realize later the high hourly rate was there because it was HR information. It was relevant to compensation, performance reviews, and stuff like that. She needed someone she could trust to do this. And so I ditched my medical school life because working at McKesson, I was tied to the medical field. Yet at the same time, there was part of me that wasn't always happy about it. And then when Accenture reached back out to me to do recruiting and large recruiting initiatives, I jumped at it. Once back at Accenture, Caroline was tasked with building out their talent acquisition team. Basically, it was her job to make sure that the recruitment systems were prepared to support global expansion. But as Caroline prepared to transition back into recruiting, she remembered the lesson she learned in the dot-bomb recession. I was exploring MBA programs because I figured the MBA programs are going to help me get out of recruiting and into, I don't know, product, product management or something like that. But what Accenture offered me was help with tuition, as well as the space to go back to school and do the Berkeley MBA program. Well, coming out of that MBA program, which was wonderful, was 2008, the financial crisis. And the role I had at Accenture it was to bring down our recruiting workforce from 2,000 recruiters worldwide to 1,000. But I have to ask, I mean, you articulated it already, you know, to continue your work in the recruiting world in 2008, it just seems so antithetical to what it is that you find so powerful about recruitment, which is that you can have an impact on someone's life. And so then to have to go and oh uh, essentially do the complete opposite, oh, what does that feel like? Absolutely terrible. Um, you know, at this point, I'm working with the different geographies on how are they reducing. I learned a lot about European law and how protected the employees are. Basically, in some countries, you cannot just fire them. You have to give them options and different roles. There's a works council that you need to work with in France and Germany. And then there's very generous packages for some people. So I remember in one of the Nordic countries, I remember a line item going, this person will be here until 2011, 2012. So I'm kind of like, is, is this a typo? And they're like, no, she's had the timing of her three kids protected her uh, for a while. 
or in the Asian countries, it was a lot faster to be able to move people in and out because of the way the contracts were written. And those discussions were a lot different. It was more about bringing the compassion to the discussion on how did it go in terms of telling people, how are you doing to the recruiting director on managing through the change and providing them with as much direction as possible on when do we see this turning around to be able to hire people back. So clearly it was a lot of multitasking, managing both the work and the workers. And that ability to find balance was a carryover from her startup days at Opinions. In this role, though, there was an added layer of pressure because Caroline had a remote position and everything was conducted entirely over the phone. And so you'd really have to pay attention to what people were saying because it was international and English isn't everyone's first language. I really had to pay attention to what they were saying, their tone, the frustration, you know, frustration maybe on the topic or finding the words. You learn things too, like Japan, yes meant I heard you. Yes, does not mean I'm doing that. Uh, So, you know, you pick up on these different things. And I think my time at Accenture gave me more of the global feel and gave me more of the confidence to work in, I guess, the ever-changing environment. And throughout all of these changes, Caroline continued to draw on her Haas network for support. I mean, she had picked the program for the people. She told me that during the information session, she found herself focusing more on the questions that the people were asking than on the presentation itself. And I could hear the questions that were asked that kind of cemented it for me. What I saw was more of a mix of people coming in from different areas of a company, sales, product management, finance, who wanted to go in different directions. And what she saw was the potential for a very powerful community. And she was right. Throughout her program, and even after graduating, she would continue to rely on her Haas community. I had a very strong group of friends that I developed from the Haas Columbia program. And they're who I lean on for a lot of things. You know, when I think about these programs, and again, sitting through class from 9 to 12, 1 to 4, 5 to 8, is long. And you have to prioritize. And you have to figure out what is important to me, what do I need to learn versus what don't I need to learn. I do recall we had an open book test, but my book was still shrink wrapped. I didn't have time for that subject. And I knew like it's open book, where am I gonna find the answers? It's gotta be in the lecture notes or my notes. Now we're not recommending that you don't do your schoolwork, but Caroline has a point. Prioritization is just one of those things in life that we learn through schooling and it translated directly to her work at Accenture. It's a bit tricky, though. You see, while it's important to prioritize at work, how does that really align with managing the work lives of other people? Like, how can you balance the importance of a person's output while also accounting for their personhood? To me, as a people manager, my direct reports are most important. If they don't have what they need, they're not empowered, and I haven't opened it up to them, the rest of their area is not going to thrive. But then there is a side that you've got to manage upward. So when someone of a higher pay grade is pinging me for something, I've got to be responding to that as well. So when you prioritize on the people, your direct reports, and the people above you, 
Now you don't have time to build out your function or time for yourself, which is not good. So for myself, what I come to is boundaries and understanding that I am accountable and responsible for the decisions I am making. I am in control of what I am doing. And you have to remember that Caroline is working from home through all of this, something I'm sure we can all relate to these days. And drawing the line between work and personal time can be difficult. My second stint with Accenture, it even got to the point where my manager (laughs) was so nice. This one time we were talking about something. We were scheduling a next call. To be honest, I was the most junior person on the call. Most of the people were from New York and Europe, and they wanted to schedule the call at 9 a.m. Eastern time. And my boss just said, hey, if we need Caroline, we need to do the call anytime after noon. I know it's going to be late in Europe, but we've got to be respectful. And I was like, wow, I I really appreciated that. But her manager's ability to be respectful of her time came from a place of clarity that Caroline put out into her workplace. And it's something that she had to hone over time, eight years to be exact. But her time at Accenture got interrupted by what Caroline very graciously calls a little stint with cancer. They were wonderful to me. They gave me the time off that I needed and they were following my progression So I thought I was going to come back. The best thing I did was called up my boss and said, hey, I would like another six months off to recover. I've had time to get treatment, but I need the time for the body to recover. So can I have six more months off? And he gave it to me with the understanding that you may not get your same role, but you'll get one of equal value. You're willing to take that. But after going back to work, some of those boundaries became difficult to uphold. I think what I realized was being single and in a global world, it's hard to put yourself first because I'm in a COE, a center of excellence. And so you schedule a call with Europe and um, something more important on the ground has come up. They reschedule you. Two weeks later, it's at 7 a.m. because you're like, oh, well, I need to do it. So you say yes. And then that same day, Asia asked you to do something at like 8 or 9 p.m. your time. And you say yes. And um, I didn't have parameters in place for me. I usually have sports. Like I'm going to go do this workout. I'm going to play volleyball. I'm going to do a bike ride with friends. Because I was recovering from cancer, I didn't have all these things. So I was just working. And I thought, I need to get out of this. I think I should go to work. Like I should drive to work. And so I started interviewing, and that's how I got my role at LinkedIn. So on paper, Caroline was a project manager at LinkedIn. But when she started explaining her projects, it sounded way more complicated than that. So Microsoft bought LinkedIn, and then the question was, well, can you figure out how we do recruiting? Because if 5% of our hires are former Microsoft or current Microsoft, is this an internal transfer or is it something different? And so I need to understand the vision of the acquisition, work with a lot of the HR people, uh, because if you transfer someone in, what happens to the shares? You know, do you get a whole new share allocation or are you leveraging what you currently have? Because now we're under the same stock. So there were a lot of things to work out. That project was probably one of my favorites. Can I ask a kind of strange question? Do you like puzzles? I do, um, but I'm not good at them. And they frustrate me. You know, like, I'll try, but they, they're they hard. Yeah. But I ask because you do seem like a, like a problem solver. Like that seems, from what I can understand, it seems like that is the distillation of each role 
that you have articulated to me, that it comes down to, here's a problem, how can we solve it? One of the things I've learned over the years is decisions are made about you when you are not in the room, okay? Hiring decisions, promotions, salary changes, new opportunities. So what you need to do is help people make the decision about you. And to do that, you have to seed them with what are you good at? What are your strengths? And so I've come up with my list of three to four strengths. And one of them is creating order out of chaos, taking the large complex problems, listening to all this, bringing it in, understanding it, and then breaking it down to what guiding principles are we going to follow? And then breaking it into manageable phases, tasks that just become defined deliverables. I, I do enjoy doing that aspect. That idea that decisions get made about you when you're not in the room, that comes from Carla Harris. She was a speaker at the 2018 LinkedIn Talent Connect conference, and she just captivated Caroline. At some point, you've got to turn it around and go, no, this is what I want to be known for. And then you've got to sprinkle it in everything you do. You've got to put it in your resume, your cover letters. You've got to tell it to people in conversation. And you've got to put it in your LinkedIn profile. You've got to put it everywhere and dummy proof it for everyone that's making a decision about you. And that mantra stuck with me too. Maybe it's not an earth shattering revelation, but it's definitely one of those undeniable truths once you've heard it. And another one is that life is completely unpredictable. But if you welcome change, sometimes you'll find yourself in some really unexpected places. So what I didn't bring up before I got cancer, outside of my personal life, I had done um, a TV show called Wipeout. Have you heard of Wipeout? So, confession time. I love Wipeout. It's a show where people run through an impossible obstacle course and get thrown into the water. And to use Caroline's words, the point is to make them look stupid. I was on that. Um, some friends of mine had submitted an application for me. So I got on the show and I won my episode. So that was a lot of fun. And then after that, I got introduced to Ninja Warrior, which I thought this is like, I am in my 40s. Who does this stuff? Fast forward maybe two months or a year later, I was doing an adventure race with a friend of mine, Jill. Jill and I go back to the gymnastics days at UCLA. And we were going to go to do a race with some of my friends. And Jill calls me up and says something about Ninja Warrior. I got on the show. It's in LA. Can we go there after we do our race? And I was like, I am all in. Whatever you need. And now I'm sure you're wondering, how did Jill do? Jill fell on the first obstacle. And so Jill's very competitive. And she wasn't happy about this. So the next day before we drove home, she said, you're going to get in the walk online and let's see how you do. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And so I show up in the walk online. The casting people saw me there um, in a line of, again, all 20-something men, female, come on up. Let's get you in here. Uh, so I got on that year and fell on the second obstacle. The next year, Jill and Caroline filmed an audition tape together. They called us. And they're like, well, do you have your own audition tape? And I'm like, no. And they go, well, you're not supposed to submit with other people. I'm like, that's fine. I could take it or leave it. And they were like, can you please come? So we were on seasons three and four. And again, season four, I fell on the second obstacle. Same obstacle even. 
I had done nothing in between to improve. So that was the start. And in time, Caroline would find herself deep into the world of American Ninja Warrior. But before that could happen, in 2018, Caroline endured a second round of cancer. So when I was going through my second radiation treatment, I was very disciplined about only going to work and only going to treatments. I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't go out of the house afterwards. And on the weekend, I could only do one activity. So at the end of all of Caroline's treatment, Jill, being the supportive friend that she is, wanted to get together. And just as fate would have it, there was going to be a ninja competition that Saturday. And so I called her and said, hey, this is what I want to do. And she was like, I want to be supportive, but no, I'm not doing this. (laughs) And she came up with, we're going to have dinner and then we'll go audit. I'll go with you to audit. But by Friday, as I was thinking more about it, I've been sitting around for six weeks from radiation. I know I'm weak, but who cares? I just want to go for it. And so without telling Jill, Caroline signed them both up and even packed an extra set of workout clothes for Jill. I wanted to take down the barriers of entry for her. And so at dinner, I told her, okay, look, we we're on a, we got to hurry through dinner. We don't need to eat very much. I signed us up. And she was like, what? What are you talking about? But it worked. And Jill was a trooper. So they showed up with like three other women. And just the way the course was set up, I ended up winning. And and so I'm like, you know, this is kind of fun. I want to do more about this. Mm. Could you tell me if you remember, what did it feel like to win that first competition in that moment? Oh, it was whole it was funny. It was um it felt really good. Um Well, it it felt really good, but it's bittersweet. And I say that because it felt really good because it validated that, hey, I can do this. If I can do this with no training, um, I should be able to see what happens when I train a little bit. Uh, So it felt felt wonderful uh, to do that. And that's the moment that it actually started. She made more friends and just kept going, traveling around Northern California doing every competition she could. And then she even got to meet some of the top ninjas. You know, Sean Bryan, David Campbell. Well, David, I had met a long time ago. I got to meet people like Jesse Graff, uh, Barkley Stockett, Megan Martin, Jimmy Choi. And the list goes on. And while you and I may not know who these people are, you have to trust me when I say they are the big dogs. Some of them even became her mentors. David Campbell is someone I met early on. Back when it started, he was one of the first people who created backyard courses. And so Jill had brought me to his backyard course before we went to our race. And I remember going like, what, what was this? Like, we're literally in a backyard where he's like, well, you step here and here and here, but don't go over there. That's poison oak. He's someone that I've developed a friendship with. And I think this is like, I'm very grateful for him and his coaching. He's been around from the beginning Uh, There are two people now who have been on every episode. He's one of them. The other one is someone named Brian Crash. Brian is now giving me private lessons, too. Now, I bring this up, but David has told me if I'm going to tell people I'm getting trained by the two of them, I need to step it up. And I've just got to think about how do you do it and learn and absorb everything that they're sharing with me because If I tell them, hey, I'm as old as your mom, or, you know, I'm older, what do I want them to say to that? 
like, what message am I giving them, these awesome people who are coaching me? And so I've come back to like, oh my God, you know, I get their time. Let me make the best of it to learn from them. First off, let me just say, Caroline is by no means old, but I do get what she's saying there. We're all guilty of making up excuses for why something is hard, even at work. You hear stories all the time about how hard it can be to keep up with the way technology is constantly changing in the workplace. But Caroline and I agree that as long as you're willing to learn, you have to at least bring yourself to the occasion. Because telling me about the past as a manager, it's like, okay, are you with me though on the future? (laughs) Is where you need to go with it. And, you know, as I'm getting coached by these two awesome people, I, they need to know I'm with them on the future. And, you know, when they're suggesting this, they know me. Um, They don't want to see me get hurt. So I've got to trust that in them. And that trust and training have paid off. Caroline is very close to her nieces and nephews. And when she heard that one of her nieces had a diving competition in West Virginia, she flew out to watch. Well, it turned out that over the same weekend, there was going to be an American Ninja Warrior competition in Ohio just a few hours away. So I'm like, I'm going to fly there do my competition, and then go to see my niece. In this competition, it's something called head-on-head. So you race against each other. Honestly, going into this, I just went because it was a ninja competition and there was an age group for me. But what I later learned after doing this thing is that the top eight people go into a double elimination bracket head-to-head. And so I made it in, I I think I was seated third going into this. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. And so Caroline is in full tortoise in the hair mode. She's the former. I don't have hustle. So I'm not down there, you know, in the position. I'm kind of like standing there going, okay, they're going to go beep, 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 and you go. And so it doesn't look like I'm going to win. And I'm always behind. But on my first heat, it's like, oh, I caught up, you know, so then you've got the crowd behind you. And, um, when I went against the number two person, she was six one, and um, on the first steps, she got a half an obstacle ahead of me, like just from the starting block. But I caught up, and so we during double elimination, when we went at it again. By this time, she's tired. I'm tired. We've done like multiple runs all day. Um, it was so close. I beat her by point three like three tenths of a second. And I remember like, I'm behind, I need to bust a move. And on my last swing up, I thought I'm not going to swing up. I'm going to just muscle through it. And I think that's what got me there. But I just, I remember just dropping off like into the mat and going, I hope that was good enough. And just hearing the screams from people was fun. Okay. So for context, three tenths of a second is literally the blink of an eye. (laughs) How cool is that? So, what's next for Caroline? I want to enjoy this life, work-life harmony, balance that I've got. Um, When I think of the next year, I I want to do good work at work, you know, because that's important to me. Um, I want to do good ninja. You know, I want to do well on the show. And I want to, I don't, gosh, it's really hard to say. Like, I want to continue to inspire other people to be their best. So if someone hears my story and says, hey, that motivated me to work out, I'm happy. If I inspired someone to switch their jobs and got confident to negotiate a salary, I'm happy. 
you know, so again, if I impact people on the individual level to inspire them to be their best, that's what I enjoy doing and hope to do more of. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Wanahas podcast, The Crossroads Series. And a special thanks to Caroline Lee for sharing her story with me. If you enjoyed our show today, please remember to subscribe to One Haas wherever you get your podcast and read and review us on iTunes. You can also check out more of our content on our website at haas.fm, where you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter and check out some more of our other Berkeley Haas podcasts. Until next time, go Bears!